Hello, and welcome to episode 6 of A Kilo of String, my podcast series about what life is really like in Greece, at least from the point of view of one British expat, me. For those of you who are old enough and British enough to remember, there used to be a TV series in the UK called Nationwide, which was a kind of magazine-come-current affairs programme that aired on weekdays after the early evening news. I say current affairs, but mostly Nationwide tended to avoid serious topics as much as possible and preferred to feature reports about skateboarding ducks and various vegetables which happened to resemble parts of the human anatomy. As I recall, it was usually the male anatomy and more often than not the same part. Given that the series began in 1969, it was way ahead of its time in dumbing down television. And Monty Python even did a sketch about it, which begins with Eric Idle as the then presenter Michael Charlton saying, Well, everyone is talking about the Third World War which broke out this morning, but here on Nationwide we're going to get away from that a bit and look instead at the latest theory that sitting down regularly in a comfortable chair can rest your legs. Ah, It sounds very nice, doesn't it? But can it be done? We sent our reporter, John Dull, to find out. The reason I mention Nationwide is that I intend to do my own bit of dumbing down in this podcast, and unlike the previous couple of episodes, I won't be mentioning the Greek political situation at all. Well, not much, anyway. To say that people here are seriously worried about it would be the biggest understatement since Houston we have a problem. But most of the Greeks I know are sick of hearing the endless hordes of politicians loudly peddling their empty promises and downright lies in an attempt to persuade the electorate that voting for any other party will inevitably lead to eternal damnation. My big fat Greek general election too, the rematch, is on the 17th of June, and presumably after that we'll find out whether, for example, Greece really will be kicked out of the Eurozone, or Grexited. One positive to come out of it will be that all the politicians and so-called expert pundits will have to shut their gobs a bit more. Well, we can always dream. Right then, on with the nationwide-style trivia. When we first moved to Greece in 2004, we rented a house near a place called Stupa on the Mani Peninsula. It was incredibly cheap, even though there was nothing wrong with it at all except for one thing. No landline. Not a big problem in itself, but it did mean we were without internet access and couldn't keep up with essential items of world news, such as the latest football scores. Crystal Palace were doing uncharacteristically well at the time, as I recall. Anyway... Not to be thwarted, we found out that the next door house, which was unoccupied then, did have a landline, so we could plug into that, with the owner's permission, of course. All we had to do was pick up a cheap phone, easy, and about 30 metres of extension cable, not so easy. In fact, as it turned out, it seemed to be much harder to buy a simple telephone extension cable than to buy a Greek tax inspector. Ote, Greece's version of BT, but amazing as this may seem, even less efficient, has a big shop in Kalamata, which is the major city for the area. So that's where we headed for our pre-packed plug-and-play extension cable. Except they don't exist. Not like that, anyway. They could sell us the cable, but we'd have to go somewhere else altogether to get a plug fitted on each end. 
Well, all right, I said. Can we have some cable then, please? Sure. How many kilos you want? You're kidding me, right? Yeah, of course. This is telephone cable we're talking about, not rope or string. Okay, I'll have 30 meters then. Is it for indoors or outdoors? Uh, both, really. Sorry, but we've had a bit of a run on indoor-outdoor cable lately, and we've only got 10 meters left. Will that be enough? Not unless it's very stretchy, no. The Ote guy then helpfully gave us directions to a shop which he was certain would have more cable than you'd need to set up a direct line all the way back to the UK. So off we went. We got the cable, but still had to go to a different shop to get the plugs fitted. This was probably one of our earliest first-hand experiences of the old adage that we came to know and dread. In Greece, nothing is impossible, but everything is difficult. Compared to the UK, where a lot of things are difficult and quite a few things are utterly impossible, this might seem to be not a bad trade-off. However, it does mean, for example, that the absurd amounts of bureaucracy and red tape make it extremely difficult to start up a business here, which perhaps goes some way to explain the dire financial mess the country is in today. I read an article recently about a Greek guy who wanted to start a business selling olive products online. It took him 10 months to get all the official paperwork sorted out, and the banks weren't much help either. He approached three different ones for help in processing online payments, and even though the guy explained the main purpose was to export his products, all of them insisted that certain sections of his website, including the marketing and privacy policies, had to be written exclusively in Greek. The real hoot about this story, though, was that because the company would be selling food products, each member of the board had to submit not only lung x-rays, but stool samples as well. As the well-known acronym puts it, WTF? From our own experiences, there's a fair bit of incompetence that goes with all the bureaucracy, which is probably another reason why some Greek businesses and organisations are losing money hand over fist. Take Oga, for instance. This is the pensions and health insurance wing of the Greek Farmers' Union, which we subscribe to ourselves and which is in serious financial trouble. Partly because only about 62% of its members are paying their contributions. Now, this may well be explained by the fact that people just can't afford to pay their subscriptions anymore. But if our own experience is anything to go by, it's also down to Oga's sheer bloody incompetence. We're supposed to get billed every six months, but when we actually receive the bills is a different matter altogether. This is because even though we've told Oga repeatedly over the last seven years what our PO box number is, they seem to be totally incapable of printing it on the envelope. As a result, the bills either turn up at a local taverna or in one of the bulging boxes of undelivered mail in the post office, and we just have to wade through them until we find our Oga bill. I should also mention here that about 70% of the letters in these boxes are bills from Ogat, most of which probably end up not being paid. I mean, how hard can it be to type in a three-digit PO box number on a computer? No wonder Ogat is in deep financial poo when they make it so difficult for people to pay their contributions even when they want to. Now, I'm not suggesting this kind of bureaucratic incompetence is exclusive to Greece alone. Certainly not. 
I've got plenty of examples from the UK, and one that immediately springs to mind is British Gas. I'd just moved into a rented house, and the landlady said I should phone all the utility companies and get them to change the accounts to my name. I started with British Gas, and after the usual annoying menu system, press 9 if you want someone to come round and help you tear your own head off, I finally got through to what could loosely be described as a human being. I explained what I wanted to do, and there was a couple of minutes keyboard tapping before the gas woman came back with, I'm sorry sir, but we don't supply gas to that address. I think you do. Not according to our records, we don't. Well, your records must be wrong then. I don't think so, sir. Look, I've got your last bill right here in front of me. I've just read the account number to you. I seem to remember I even held the bill up to the mouthpiece for additional, although ultimately pointless, emphasis. Does it say British Gas at the top? Oh, wait a minute. Let me see. B, R, I, T. Yeah, definitely British Gas. Well, I don't know where that came from then, because we don't supply gas to that address. What? You don't mean you think it's a forgery? In the end, I even resorted to turning up one of the burners on the gas cooker full blast and holding the phone up to it. Do you hear that noise? That's gas, that is. That's as maybe, sir. But how do I know you're actually at the address in question? You could be in another house altogether. Oh, for f- besides, even if you are at the address in question, it's definitely not our gas. You can tell that just from the sound, can you? Amazing. This particular example of institutionalised incompetence did eventually get sorted out, and the only reason I persisted was that I didn't want to end up with a massive bill one day when British Gas finally cottoned on and rang me with a You know when we told you six years ago that we didn't supply gas to that address? At least we get our gas out of bottles in Greece. Anyway, that's about it for now. I'm off to Kefalonia for a few days soon to attend a very important wedding. No, not mine. So there might be a bit of a gap before the next podcast. By then, though, we'll know the result of the latest general election in Greece and have a better idea of exactly what kind of stool samples are likely to be hitting the fan. In the meantime, if you want to catch up with any of my previous podcasts you might have missed, just type a kilo of string into Google and that'll get you to the right place. And please do feel free to leave a comment. It's always good to know I'm not just talking to myself out there in cyberspace. Thanks for listening, and until next time, cheers. Yasas kenastikalak. <laughs>